Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are Rain expected at the Canadian Grand Prix Norris looks to the future George Russell reveals there are three drivers he doesn't trust When reality can be too much And Dominicali on the expansion of F1 Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with the latest news by visiting our website at www.formulanerds.com. My name is Ollie, and today with me, we have the trusty two. We have Sam. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing, Ollie? More importantly, I know you've had a stressful week. You're... <laughs> I'm okay. I'm good. Um, anyone who's been listening to the show for the past uh, couple of weeks will know that I had a, a, a bee's nest in my house, but we have got rid of it. So I'm, 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 I'm very happy. I'm buzzing. Yeah, I was going to say, now it's you who's buzzing. <laughs> I'm buzzing. Uh, Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm glad the bees have finally moved on and left your house and left you in peace. They have, they have. I'm, I'm, I'm utterly thrilled about it. But um, uh, James, again, can't be with us, as, as we've said. He's got his new baby boy, Leo. However, I did speak to James earlier today, and he said he may bless us with his presence for the Canadian Grand Prix review. Also, I know James will probably listen to this, so I'd like to take the opportunity to say that I'm glad he replied to your message today, Ollie. He didn't reply to mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I put my foot in it. <laughs> no fairness, I, t- I took like four days to reply to him, so yeah, all's fair in love and war. Just, just voice note, Sam. Just voice note. Well, that's what it was. I've got into the awful habit, like my mum, just sending voice notes. Really anxiety-inducing. Like, well, just getting a voice note from your mum, like, oh, God, why is it now? I think when I get them from you, Sam, which, I mean, we voice note back and forth throughout the day, nearly all, every day. But um, I, I, I think I may have told you, if I haven't, I'm really sorry. But I put it on times two so that I get to the point quicker. Times two? I thought it was times 1.5. Well, it was times 1.5, but I've now, I can listen to you speaking, like, double time. <laughs> you, you'd really get on with my sister. Would I? 
Okay, now talking about the Canadian Grand Prix review, it is the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. Now, we've had rain. Uh, in the last number of races, which has been uh, very exciting and brought drama to the action. And now as we prepare for the ninth round of the 2023 season in Montreal, there is also rain expected. So it is looking like a 40% chance of rain on the Sunday. Now there is rain forecast throughout the weekend, but let's be honest. Saturday and Sunday are exactly when we would want the rain. Practice it, it actually makes the, the action less enjoyable. So it's 60% chance on Saturday during the qualifying session and 40% chance on Sunday. So, guys, we've had some epic races where the weather comes into play and we especially have done in Canada. Now, what are your thoughts on this weekend coming up? Do you think some wet weather could bring some excitement and potentially see another driver win a race maybe just just maybe i mean uh, i think we can see some some fun weather 2011 style will that lead to a different driver winning the race no <laughs> it's going to be a rebel win <laughs> i really tried to uh... sorry <laughs> Uh, unless they take them out, themselves out, and, and we know the, the first couple of quarters in Canada is particularly treacherous, like you know, not the '98 race, and, you know, Alex Verts on his side. We've had some, yeah, as you say, we've had some absolute corkers in Canada. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, yeah, I could spend all day talking about some of the great races we've had there. And Abby, do you think we're going to see anything different this weekend? Uh, Canada is one of it's got to be one of the best tracks on the on the Canada um, on the calendar, hasn't it? <laughs> nice. It is certainly one of the best tracks. It's a street track. It has chicanes, hairpins, a mix of fast straights and heavy braking corners as well. Like Sam, I think it's pretty obvious who's going to be on the top step of the podium. But I do think we could see some surprises further down the field, especially with the rain that will add excitement to the mix. I think it will be one of the best races so far this season, in my opinion. Also, home hero Lance Stroll possibly getting his best result at home uh, I think he got a P9 one year so I'd expect that he'll uh, top that this weekend and Abby you said this is a street track I've never really thought about it as a street track because it's like the least street track of them all really isn't it yeah it's it is but it's isn't it doesn't have the aspects quite like Monaco does for example it's more of an open street track but it's still not like a traditional race circuit like Barcelona it's kind of Melbourne-esque in that sense, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are, for a lot of the track, the walls are pretty close. Um, as we saw, you know, in 2019, Seb pushing Lewis famously into the wall after going off. So, yeah, it, it's uh, there's no margin for error here at all. And guys, uh, who do we predict to be the first to hit the wall of champions this year? Someone's going to hit it. Who's, who's it going to be? I think statistically, based on the season so far, it's likely to be um, our friend Logan Sargent. But who do you guys think will hit it first? I reckon Yuki. I reckon he'll overcook it in one of the practice sessions. And yeah, uh, yeah trying bet. to find the limit. Yeah. yeah. Or, think... no, or maybe Nick DeVries. Oh, yeah. I was going to say DeVries, oh. I think, will hit it first. Okay, so looking forward to to the Canadian Grand Prix, but also looking forward to the future is Lewis, Abby. He certainly is. So obviously McLaren haven't had a great start to the season, not the one that they wanted. They failed to meet their targets for development over the winter. And there was speculation about whether Lando Norris, who's contracted with McLaren until the end of 2025, whether he would jump ship and move to a different team. He's been previously linked to Red Bull. 
But now Norris has conveyed his confidence in McLaren and has said that he is looking forward to this season, the rest of this season, and the future with them. He said, knowledge is one of the biggest things in F1 and personnel. So I think getting some big guys in, not that we had bad people because that's absolutely not true, but making the force bigger is what we needed to go on and compete against these other teams like Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull, so on. And McLaren have already good progress has been made. So I guess I look forward to this year. I look forward to how we can go into winter and be better prepared for 2024. By then we'll have the new wind tunnel. We'll have the new simulator, more people coming in in 2024 in the beginning. So then I look even more forward to 2025, a lot of exciting things. So obviously the team have new facilities being built. They've hired some new personnel, including Rob Marshall from Red Bull and David Sanchez from Ferrari to help rebuild the team to what it once was. It looks like Norris is pretty determined to stay with McLaren and has high hopes for the team. Do you guys think that's true? Or do you think we'll see him jump ship at the end of 2025? I don't think he has an option because he's in a contract. So he's got to be happy with what he's got at the moment. Um, I think... As we know, F1 is it's just a development race, and we've seen all of the investment that Aston Martin have put into their new facilities um, at Silverstone. And I think, I, I, I think they're just they're moving forward like everyone else, and it, it's all comparable to what the other teams are doing. Um, I think by the end of twenty twenty five. McLaren certainly could have taken a step forward and it's actually perfect timing for Lando at that point to then say, right, what other seats are available? Have McLaren progressed to where we expected them to and what's he going to do about it? But, you know, if it goes in the direction he seems to hope it's going to go, then he wouldn't move. But nothing's ever that simple, is it? I think this is a continuation of an overarching point that we've spoken about quite a lot this year. And it's not just about McLaren as well. And we've obviously talked about their kind of three pronged kind of trident approach. Um, But for me, if Lando's going to go, he's going to go before 2025. I think he'll go at the end of this year. If Sergio Perez can hold on at Red Bull, maybe the end of next year. I think if he stays to 2025, I think he'll end up staying long term because I think you'll then see the improvements that uh, McLaren can kind of expect in line with what Aston Martin we, we've seen them do uh, with you know, their their new facilities. And, you know, even this week, James Val's coming out and saying that Williams are about 20 years behind in terms of some of their facilities. So it's a big, there's a big focus on this at the moment. And I think it's, it's exacerbated by the fact that there isn't that wiggle room anymore to go, you know what, massive influx of, in, you know, of cash investment, you know, inject all of that into the team. You can't do that in the same way that you previously could, which is in some ways holding that status quo in place. It's baking in the advantage for teams. So yeah, there's, potentially going to be some changes um, in terms of the allocation of money and you can get exemptions like Aston Martin did for new facilities. So I'm I'm sure we'll see more of that. But for me, Lando Norris, he's got to go because what I take from that comment is I'm wishing the next two and a half years of my career away. Yeah, and and that's an interesting point. Uh, interesting point you make about Sergio Perez. So, do you think if his performance sort of continues as it is or deteriorates further that uh, Red Bull are going to buy out Norris's contract? Is that what you're expecting to happen, Sam? Absolutely. I think Perez has. If he was going to win the title, it had to be this year. I've said that already this season, and he's fallen away. He can't. We knew he couldn't compete with Max. He needed a lot of good fortune, and he hasn't had enough for that since he did initially close the gap to within a few points. I think with Daniel Ricciardo, 
I don't know how to express this in a way that isn't kind of really blunt and harsh, but I think it's a soft retirement. I think it's a kind of not pity move from Red Bull. I think it's a very clever and savvy PR move, but I think it's a soft landing for him as he moves towards either retirement from racing or towards another series. I don't think they put him back in the car next season. Where else would you go? You look at Lando Norris there, you know, he's surely the driver who's next up when you look down further down the grid. And then, Abby, would Perez go to McLaren? <laughs> would they just swap swap seats? No, I, I remember I said at the beginning of the season, I think Perez will leave F1 at the end of this year. And I still think that's true. In the first few races where he was competing against Max, he had a couple of wins to his name this season. I thought he could stay. But now reevaluating it i do think perez will go and whether it's by a choice or whether it's red bull kicking him out i don't know but i do think norris could end up at red bull they obviously have a competitive car and a competitive team it will be interesting to see the dynamic if he did though between him and max because they're both young drivers early in their career but yeah perez will go and norris could go to red bull Interesting. Now, wheel-to-wheel racing is all about trust, and uh, sometimes there is a lack of it. Now, Sam, George Russell has come out and um, made made an interesting revelation, hasn't he? He has indeed, yes. Uh, no friend of the Red Bull this season, uh, Mr. Dickhead, as Max called him. Am I able to say that? Am I allowed to say it? Are <laughs> yeah, you going to get rid of that? that? You can all say right. that. It went out on, I mean, on, on the world feed, so yeah, I'll allow it to go out on this world feed. Thank you. I, uh, it's a really, really punchy insult. It's a real proper kind of behind the wheel of a car. You've annoyed me. Oh, you kind of insult, uh, or at least it was for my dad. Um, and that's the third family, <laughs> third family member that I've mentioned today. I'm going to work through my entire family in this podcast. Um, so yeah, George Russell has said that there are maybe three drivers on the grid who you wouldn't feel comfortable going against. There's a trust between most of the drivers. I don't think those three unnamed racers have the spatial awareness of others. So pretty sparky, fiery talk from George Russell here. Obvious question, who do you think the three are? Abby, I'll let you go. You do your three first and then I'll do my three. Well, this is actually really difficult. I I have one driver in my head and it's Is it it's George Max- Russell? No. <laughs> it's Max Verstappen. Now obviously Verstappen has been known to be aggressive during his F1 career, especially in 2021. And whilst he isn't as aggressive this season, I do think it's because like he's not competing against anyone. He has no reason to be aggressive because there's no one for him to try and overtake but I do feel if he if it was a tight championship battle like 2021 fighting against like Lewis or Alonso I do think that he would be slightly aggressive and not necessarily leave space into corners I think we saw that obviously there were crashes in Monza and Silverstone in 2021 and Brazil as well where it was Hamilton versus Verstappen one going off track saying the other one didn't leave space but it's really difficult trying to pick the other two okay so you've got max <laughs> the other two which <laughs> we should stay on max though because i think this is a, this is an interesting one because it's a, an obvious one that comes to mind and I, I i agree with you for three quarters of george's statement it's the last line that i'm having trouble trouble kind of accepting max as one of those three and you said it yourself max is an aggressive driver 
he will not give an inch. It's very much that Senna approach of, look, you know, if you don't go for a gap or, you know, kind of. So the spatial awareness, though, I don't see Max as lacking that. I think he has it. He just uses it to his advantage. (laughs) Yeah. No, but spatial awareness, no, but he's still aware that he's being aggressive. I think that that's the crux. I think it's a, it's a different point almost. Max is very aggressive. Like there's no denying that he is someone you wouldn't feel comfortable going against. Absolutely. Or maybe you don't trust, but I think he does have spatial awareness. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's that good and he's that calculating. I don't think Max Verstappen really makes those kind of mistakes. I think he he steps over the mark 100%, but that's almost a deliberate mistake, not a an oops, I did a whoopsie. Okay, so which three do you think don't have the spatial awareness? I'm going to start with Lance Stroll. And I, I say this as someone who fully defends his right to be on the grid. We had a little kind of internal discussion this week on Lance Stroll at Formula Nerds. Does he Is he deserving of his place on the grid? I think he is. I think he's very, very quick. What is maybe called into question is, is his work ethic at times. So, yeah, I think he's maybe one who is prone to tripping over a little bit. Uh, we saw it with Fernando Alonso at Cota last year. There's been a couple of instances, a couple of other names bandied around. I saw, I saw a lot of Carlos Sainz, interestingly enough, um, which I kind of get. I also get George Russell, but he's obviously not talking about himself. George has had a few incidences. <laughs> so has he uh, not said who they are? Sorry, has he not said? No, oh, no, he okay. hasn't said. No. Right. So this is why we're kind of, why we're debating it. I've also seen Kevin Magnuson's name thrown out there. But you've got to maybe consider the AlphaTauri guys. I think Logan is a, a fair shout, maybe. He can be quite racy. He's obviously early in his career. I think if you're going to say that it could be Nick DeVries, you've got to say that it could also be uh, Logan Sargent or even Oscar Piastri. But I don't see that. But what about one of the Ferraris? I mean, Sainz has seemed to um, not be very spatially aware this year as well, hasn't he? How about you could say the same about Leclerc, I suppose. Um, it could be anyone. <laughs> well, yeah, there's 19 guys that it could be. <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah. Um, Oh well, eighteen. He's not. He's not going to say that about Lewis Hamilton, is he? Uh, realistically, so I just I need to get the defence in there before Abby got to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let us know who you think it is as well. Um, if you want to reach out to us at info@formulanerds.com. Yeah, it's a very much open to, to for debate. I noticed that Ollie has kept kind of mis- mysteriously quiet. Well, I I was going to say, yeah, Max, uh, 100% is one of them. Um, I disagree. Because, you know, purely because of what happened in Azerbaijan, Max has got to be one of them, right? And then secondly, I would have said Stroll as well. And I'm leaning towards Sainz as the the third one. Um, Interesting. Could it maybe be Esti Bestie? Yeah. Esteban Ocon? He's had a couple of instances over the last few years where just kind of... A little bit racy, a little bit kind of eye off the ball. Mm. I mean, let's face it, they all, everyone make, they all make mistakes. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, as Sam said, let us know. Info at com. Who do you think uh, are drivers that you wouldn't trust if you were uh, George Russell? We're going to take a pause for the cause uh, and we will be back in just a moment. 
Okay, so Abby, I believe uh, F1 are bringing out something new for us to view. They certainly are. So there's actually two different F1-related programmes coming out. Obviously, there's Drive to Survive, the docuseries on Netflix, and Netflix are now working with F1 and also the sport of golf to bring out a golf live stream of a golf tournament between pro golfers and f1 drivers obviously the likes of lando norris carlos science lewis hamilton they all play a bit of golf from time to time so they're doing a live stream of that but the interesting thing is that f1 are also co-producing the first officially sanctioned scripted series about the sport so what it's going to be it's going to be a fictional tv series titled one and its aim is to bring the glamorous high pressure and competitive inner workings of the world of Formula One to life for audiences across the globe. And the premise is that it's going to focus on the tumultuous ascension of a fictitious family owned F1 team as it contends with fierce personalities, ever changing rivals, and multi million dollar stakes. What do you guys think about having a fictional F1 TV series? Because, wow, yeah. Rubbish. First question. <laughs> First question from me, is this family-owned F1 team, do they have one of the younger members of the family in a race seat? And do they have a big yacht? (laughs) (laughs) What what I am looking forward to is maybe, I mean, I'll probably watch it just because, you know, it's my job to be up to date with these things. But um, I'm intrigued to see if you get people who... Fully psycho, like fully, fully analyze it and go, well, this storyline maybe hit a bit close to home. So does that tell us that that didn't happen in that way or this did happen? They'll try and use this show to as a base against what's happened in reality. So that could be quite interesting. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll be objective with it and see see where they land but mm. I assume they're just going to use that as you know, completely, completely fictional. Yes, completely fictional. Although there has been some talk of it, like echoing Williams's journey within Formula One and that, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily based on a specific team. It, okay. it, it seems a little bit pointless in, in my mind. Um, but, what, okay, you're showing. Uh, well, again, if it's if it's fictitious, it's going to dramatise things that. I, I don't know. I just don't think it works. Uh, what's what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? Uh, it's like watching, I don't know, it's like okay. watching EastEnders or something, isn't it? If you live in the East End, it's like, oh, this is fictitious version of what life is like. What's what's the point of that? What was that? Okay, have you ever watched Succession, Ollie? No, but I know roughly. Okay, you should. It's brilliant. But that is loosely based on the Murdoch family. Obviously, multi-media conglomerate. And that is one of the best TV programs of the last five years. Could it maybe capture some of the essence of that kind of? It's a. It depends how they do it. If they did it kind of like a, allow it to be funny as well, um, to a degree, kind of an uncomfortable kind of like, almost like a self-aware taking the mick out of how ridiculous some aspects of the sport is. I think that would work because let's face it, like it's so lavish, it's over the top in so many ways. Uh, so yeah, that could be an angle that would work. I'm more intrigued about this golf tournament though because I want I'd want to see a reverse. I'd want to see them stick <laughs> Rory McIlroy uh, in an F1 car. 
I am just thinking: is this a is this a way to try and make F one look more luxurious again, rather than just a load of um, uh, hooligans at a racetrack with um, smoke grenades? Maybe, maybe it's an attempt to do that. But are there going to be twenty four episodes? Are there going to be triple headers? How often is this going to be? I don't have time for more stuff like this to watch. I think it'll probably be ten episodes, one a week for ten weeks, or something similar. Like an actual standard TV show. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't worry. Yeah. Was it a joke? Did, <laughs> Obviously was it, was it, <laughs> oh, no. Thanks for, thanks for laughing. <laughs> well, now, now I'm the butt of the joke. <laughs> but moving on to someone who is obviously not a family member of mine, Stefano Domenicali has come out and said some pretty uh, interesting comments on the size of the grid. Sticking ten episodes, ten teams. Yeah, here we go. Like you know, drive to survive. You know, this is a terrible segue. I'm, I hope you're finding it funny. But he has said that he actually thinks that ten is basically more than enough. Um, on the Beyond F1's Beyond the Grid podcast. He said, I think 10 teams are more than enough to create the show or the business and the attention that we want to see on the track. It's quite an extensive um, remark, but he also kind of closes it by saying that he doesn't himself personally want to see more than 20 cars on the grid. He said, no, I don't think so. That's a personal opinion. I need to say that because it's something that if you have a good show, 20 cars are more than enough. What are your feelings about this? Obviously, the FIA is pushing for more. There will be you know, talks about this. There will be negotiations. But if the CEO of F1 is saying he doesn't want more than 20 cars, and coupled with the teams not wanting to dilute their portion of pie, it's going to be a real uphill battle to for the FIA and those entrants to the, the process to get onto the grid. I know we talked about this before. What are your guys' views? Do you think this is too on the nose for Demi Carly to say? I think, I think, you know, we see other series uh, like F2 and F3 with a lot more cars. I mean, um, the Porsche Super Cup has God knows how many cars. And it's exciting. But th- th- especially in the Porsche ones, they're all sort of similar pace, right? If you're adding teams to the grid that are just going to be back runners, um, then, you know, they're not going to be around for long. It's not going to add any excitement to it. And if you think about all the all the sort of the, the traffic that the, the front teams have to go through, it's just a bit of a nightmare. I can sort of see what is the value in adding more. And also, it's so expensive to add F1 teams in that is it just adding complexity where we've actually, we've got something that works here. Let's not overcomplicate it. I think opportunity. We have so much talent, you know, drivers, mechanics, engineers, so many people who would do a fantastic job at the top of motorsport who aren't getting those opportunities because we have a small grid in F1. And I think that's a big thing for me. Also, something that Domenicali himself kind of pins on the reason why is... Yeah, you have two drivers or two teams fighting, and that's really great. Imagine 20 cars or 10 teams at that level um, on track. That would be impressive. And we're like, yeah, it would be. You can see that if you want to watch IndyCar or Formula E, but you can't see that in F1. So, yes, the goal should absolutely be that, but the means to getting there 
are the very same means for arguing that you shouldn't have those teams on the grid. It's kind of a an odd um, contradiction in that sense. There's something that has to change to close up that grid. I can see why adding more teams is appealing. Like you guys said, the amount of talent in the feeder series that are coming through and they're not being able to drive in Formula One because there aren't any seats. It would help massively in them in their careers, but just also make the sport more exciting. But also, like Damina Kalia said, that there have been teams before where they come into the sport and then like leave really quickly because they're getting out with zero value. But nowadays, teams are more profitable. They're stronger, more stable in terms of being able to compete on track. But I do think they need to reevaluate the logistics of it especially with the increasing amount of street circuits and that and the size of F1 cars. I remember, Sam, that we said the F1 cars looked absolutely massive at the hairpin in Monaco. So obviously they had 30 F3 cars, but they're considerably smaller. So if you then have more than 20 F1 cars going around a circuit like Monaco, it can be very chaotic. It might not work. I think it's just a discussion that needs to be had. And if they do increase the amount of teams, it needs to be for the right reasons and not just for getting more money into the sport and for making it a bigger spectacle. It needs to be for the right reasons in terms of the racing. I think my biggest issue with it is that it is so clearly polarised and parts. They're so open about it and even when they're trying to not be open about it, it's so thinly veiled, the self-interest. And in some ways I respect that because at least you're being upfront about it. But it's... Fans should be at the heart of a sport. They are the lifeblood of a sport. And I think if you were to poll Formula 1 fans on whether or not they want more teams, I think you would get a majority, maybe even a good majority, saying yes. That's what I keep on coming back to. Mm, I totally agree, Sam. And I think it needs to be a, a sort of a clear cut. It should be in the regulations. There is the ability to have 12 teams. Um, and for people that, you know, teams that want to join the sport, it's got to be easier. Um, and there's, it, it's just got to be written down. It's got to be clear. 20, 24 drivers, right? Then if a team drops out, there's space for a new one. It's something like that. But again, it is a complex business after all. Um, and it's never quite that uh, clear cut. But on that bombshell, that's about all we've got time for today. Thank you for listening and be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. Thank you very much for joining me, Sam. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my segue. I hope you enjoyed the numerous mentions of my family. And <laughs> I'm really pleased that um, your B-movie is over. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Abby, thank you very much. Thank you for having me and thank you for hosting once again, Ollie. We will be back for the Canadian Grand Prix review. But until then, goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.